Hey, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast of the 20th day of June, 2023. Happy, glorious Tuesday to you. Hope you're having fun. Hope you're uh, having a good old time. All right. Don't forget about the uh, supporting the show, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. Still time to enter the contest to autograph books by either Brad Thor or Ray Lewis. That's right. And uh, one of somebody's going to win one of them. Why not you? Five bucks a month. Support the show. Help a brother out and get informed and entertained and cursed out and all those good things that come with that and pictures and little stories and asides and everything that you just can't get anywhere else. All right. There is uh, there's not a, nothing big going on. There's a lot of little things going on. I believe Donald Trump, I, I saw a clip. I'm not sure that it's aired yet i think it's on the uh, special report that's going to start in about 15 minutes but uh, it can wait it can keep a day with donald trump and brett bear it it doesn't when it comes to his pending court cases i don't think donald trump should be really weighing in on certain things because he ends up Look, if I you end up giving more and give away the store, like when the topic comes up, say, hey, you know, lawyers said don't talk about this, and that would be enough. It'd be perfectly acceptable. I think everybody would understand that. But Donald Trump doesn't do that. I get it. He wants to profess and proclaim his innocence everywhere. He's like, yeah, I'm, in it. but there's a way to do that too. Look, I'm innocent. These charges are garbage. It's a witch hunt. They're out to get me. Whatever. But, you know, my lawyers have advised me not to comment on it at this time. I'll have plenty more to say about it coming soon, but I can't do it right now. That would be an easy way to kind of handle this thing. But he went on to talk about it, at least in the clip that I saw. I want to make sure that I want to know the bigger context of it, so I don't want to use that clip. It's just one of those things. That being said, um, <clears throat> there is... Another bit of a kerfuffle, I guess you could say, happening around the uh, argument, I can't believe we're still having this discussion, about COVID vaccines. Yeah, seriously, we're still having discussions about COVID vaccines. And the proponents insisted, not even proponents, their insistence, they insisted that people get the shots and get the updates and get the boosters and get everything and everything and everything. Well, one of the biggest proponents on cable news is Dr. Peter Hotez. Dr. Peter Hotez. He's a vaccine scientist. This is the way he describes himself. He's a vaccine scientist, author, combat anti-science at uh, Baylor College of Medicine, Houston, professor of pediatrics, Molecular Virology, Blah Blah Dean, Texas Children's Chair, Tropical Pediatrics, whatever, blah. He's got an impressive-sounding resume. But then so does Tony Fauci. Then does pretty much everybody in government. It's a pretty resume. Now you look at their record, then it starts to get ugly. And that's the thing. Peter Hotez was all over 
cable television throughout the pandemic, insisting on things he had no idea about. Insisting. I'm not going to play you the clips. It's been played to death. I'm going to try and cover this as quickly as possible, just to check the box and move on, because that's one of the problems. And one of the benefits is if you're going first in the morning, you get to things before everybody else. The other thing is if you put it to bed, by the time you get it up the next day, everybody else has commented on it. And I realize that, as Rush used to say, some things, it, it didn't ra- really matter because I haven't commented on it. Well, on this one, it's been pretty much played out. Peter Hotez was getting into his whining about Robert Kennedy Jr. Robert Kennedy Jr. is the... Pro- now, Robert Kennedy Jr. is anti-vax. He's... Uh, he is an extremist on that. He believes that vaccines caused autism. He believes that chemicals in the water cause transgenderism, all sorts of things. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure, though. <laughs> but I don't know for sure, and I don't want to have that debate. There's some rabbit holes I'm just not interested in going down. However, Peter Hotez considers himself to be a wildly smart man. A wildly smart man. My God, he's a hero. Just ask him. And so Joe Rogan, after Peter Hotez had criticized Robert Kennedy Jr. and Joe Rogan and others of that sort, this this thing just bloomed out of control. Mark Cuban was weighing in. Elon Musk was weighing in. It just, it got a, having a whole bunch of money doesn't make you smart. And have, being a bunch, on television a bunch and having a bunch of letters after your name doesn't make you smart. Doesn't give you common sense. You can't, there are many people who are educated beyond their intelligence. You probably know many of them. They are the people who insist on being called a doctor even though they have a PhD or something even below that. And I was like, hey, if, if you can't help somebody joking, you aren't really a doctor. Somebody says, is there a doctor in the house? And you say, of philosophy, you should probably get uh, get some water thrown in your face at a minimum. But yeah, people like Jill Biden, not real doctors. Hotez is a real doctor, but he's not interested in science. He's not interested in debate. And this is a bigger problem. I guess I'll play you this thing from MSNBC, because it's kind of funny, because Joe Rogan had asked Peter Hotez, said, all right, if you want to criticize me, go ahead, criticize me. I'm fine with that, uh, about what I've said about the COVID vaccine. That's fine. Criticize me. Fair game. You want to criticize Robert Kennedy Jr.? It's fine. It's a little different. How about the two of you come on the Joe Rogan experience and have a debate, have a discussion about vaccines? Now, Peter Hotez purports to be, puts himself forth as one of the nation's foremost experts on vaccines and viruses, right? So you would think, given the opportunity to take on somebody who is rabidly anti-vaccine, would be an opportunity at which you would leap, that he would leap. He does not. He does not. Instead, weirdly, he tries to justify why he's not going to play this game on Twitter. And then he goes on to Mehdi Hassan's show on MSNBC. See, MSNBC once again serves 
as the warming, comfy, soothing blanket, protective blanket of fellow leftists. You know you're safe. You know you aren't going to be challenged. If you go on MSNBC, if you are spewing liberal orthodoxy, they will take care of you. It's the secret handshake. You're in. It's like the, uh, who is it, a friend of mine, Oh, a friend of mine, and a fr- uh, well, I'm not going to name drop, but um, they got to hang out with uh, the Hell's Angels at the funeral of the leader of the Hell's Angels. Very famous person, wildly famous person, recently deplatformed, but uh, found another platform. You can do the math there. I was talking to that person's best friend, saw the pictures. And he talks about the Hell's Angels at this bar, this Hell's Angels biker bar out in California where the funeral was held or the wake was held. And he says, you know, the the rule is if one Hell's Angel gets into a fight, every Hell's Angel gets into a fight. doesn't matter if the person deserves it or not. doesn't matter if the person started it, if they're completely in the wrong. The rule is one in or all in. It's a stupid rule, but I mean, I guess membership has its privileges. With liberals, it's the same way. With the Democrats, the progressive activists, it's the same way. If you come after one of their own and they're in good standing, meaning 100% down the line in lockstep with whatever it is, you're useful. you go after a useful idiot while they're still useful, oh no, unleash the hounds of hell on these people. So Mehdi Hassan, rabidly anti-Semitic, um, racist, just a, an all-around bad dude, which, of course, means you've got a you've got pretty good job security over at MSNBC over there. Had him on. Now, ironically, Mehdi Hassan wrote a book about how to win every debate. He's like, I think that might have been what it was called, how to win every debate. But he advises Hotez not to debate, to not discuss anything. Why? Because he doesn't need to. Because liberals actually can't anymore. I'll explain that in a second. Listen to this. We're so, it's, it's sad because I said I'm so fed up with the debate me, debate me, uh, because it's not really about the debate. If it was about finding out information, as you said, you've already written about vaccines and autism. You've already spoken and written about COVID vaccines. I think you've been on MSNBC and other channels hundreds of times since the start of the pandemic. People can hear your views and the evidence you bring to this. So they're not actually interested in evidence. And it saddens me that you're a man who basically has saved lives abroad. Uh, with the vaccines you've developed, whereas RFK has contributed to a culture, a vaccine misinformation culture, that has led to the deaths, as you say, of hundreds of thousands of lives, and yet he's the one being celebrated by tech billionaires like Musk and Jack Dorsey while you're being smeared and defamed. And I would say, I don't know if you've agreed to debate or not. My advice is not to, and people might find that surprising because I wrote a book about debate, but I just think there's a time and a place for a debate. I don't think a historian of World War II should debate a Holocaust denier. I think just to, like, that's, that's my analogy here. Like, I don't think these debates between experts and cranks do anything other than elevate the cranks. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, there are certain things you debate. I understand what a debate about 18th century Enlightenment philosophy is and, and debating Rousseau and Bishop, Bishop Barclay. I understand what political debates are. But in science, we don't typically do debates. What we do is we write scientific papers. We present our findings in front of a critical audience of our peers to solicit their their input and, and suggestions. But it's you know, one doesn't typically debate science, maybe the one-off discussion of evolution versus creationism and that sort of thing but that's not what we do in science and no that's not what we do in science we don't debate the entire point of science 
is to question things. Is to question things. That is a form of debate. I say X, you say Y. But no, we don't debate anymore. I'm not going to go on and debate. We don't debate. Science, we don't really debate anymore. No, you really don't debate anymore. You find somebody who disagrees with you on something and says, hey, you know, uh, this business about cutting off kids' genitals, not super good. And then suddenly that person is ruined. That's the extent of the debate. You disagreed. You stepped out of line. How dare you? How dare you? You monster. You're fired or whatever. That's what's going on. I love it when they sit there and say, well, we don't, in science, we don't really debate. Well, if you want to debate uh, Rousseau, go ahead and debate. With, see, he thinks he's so erudite. He's so, so superior. But when it comes to science, there's no debating science. Look, if you're going into a debate, if you're going to go into a discussion with somebody you think is not only wildly wrong, but an absolute crackpot crank, like they view Robert Kennedy Jr., you relish that. You want as many people watching as possible. If you truly, genuinely, honestly believe that RFK Jr. is doing serious damage to the country, lying his ass off and causing all sorts of problems for people, you relish the opportunity to be the one to land the death blow. Not the death blow in killing him, but the death blow in destroying his belief system and the people who believe. You get him in front of a crowd of people and you decimate him. You destroy him. And guess what happens? Those people, a lot of them, look, some people will never change their minds. Some people will never change their ways. But some people who are toying with the idea of what you view as a wildly wrong philosophy will recoil and go, holy cow, that, I didn't even, he just got destroyed. And you'll lose, he'll, they'll lose followers. They'll lose support. It would be an opportunity for Hotez to do serious damage to a challenger to Joe Biden, he would make him a hero in the Democratic Party. But he passes on the prospect. He bails on the possibility. He refuses. Instead, he runs to MSNBC. Now, why? Why would he do that? Is he scared? Yes. Now, he won't tell you that. Mehdi Hassan won't tell you that. The bookers at MSNBC won't tell you that. Nowhere will tell you that. But I'm going to tell you that, and I'm going to tell you why. It used to be, and it's kind of the crux of my column for Town Hall today, it used to be that people relished debate. People on the right, people on the left. Why? Because it was an opportunity to make your case against the other case, the other side's case. So they present their best case, you present your best case, and the winner walks away with the victory and probably with more people won over to their side on that particular issue. Democrats no longer do that. Conservatives are still willing to do that. Republicans are happy to do that. They just don't go into, Democrats don't go into places where they could be disagreed with. Watch, I realize, and don't do it around dinner time, just after you ate, give a chance for your food to have digested, move down a little bit, so it's not really right there with the, the reflex. But force yourself to watch MSNBC for half an hour, if you can stand it, 20 minutes, half an hour. 
It doesn't matter when, just don't have eaten right around then. And what you will see is not even a discussion of the day's issues. It is an agreement. It is an amen chorus. It is a nonstop row of bobblehead dolls on a dashboard where the the, spr- the springs are all that's left. The shocks are shot, and you're going down a bumpy road. It's like, I've had that car. I've driven that car. And the bobbleheads just go up and down. It is one-upsmanship, or should I say one-ups-personship, to the nth degree. Nobody disagree. Nobody- When's the last time you think Rachel Maddow was disagreed with? In a serious way. Not in a playful kind of way. Oh, we're having Michael Steele on to talk about how, uh, you know, whatever. Like, uh, he pretends he'll go as far as he needs to, but he doesn't believe in anything. He's playing a role. He knows where the checks are coming from. Every so-called Republican over at MSNBC knows what they have to do. If they land a blow, it's like a sparring partner with the champ, right? Oh, yeah, what do you do for a living? I spar with the champ. Well, I promise you, that person, if they land a punch that breaks the champ's nose, even by accident... They start fearing for their job. Like, oh, man, am I going to lose my job? I didn't want to do that. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean, but, you know, you bloody up the champ even by accident. It's a problem. You bloody up anybody on MSNBC in re- regards to the progressive agenda, and you won't be back. You will not be back. You'll not be welcomed back. And so that doesn't happen. The, cons- the so-called Republicans over there, they know their role. They're tokens. So they pretend. Everybody else just tries to one-up the other person. The host says something asinine, and the guest goes even further. Why? Because if you just, if you come off as sane relative to an insane host over at MSNBC, they're not going to have you back. Why the hell would they have you back? Like, hey, Joy Reid was bouncing off the walls, screaming bloody murder, and you said, yeah, you're probably right, but I wouldn't be as worried about it as you are. You can't do that. You're, you've got to sit there and start playing with your own feces and uh, rambling and speaking in tongues in order to keep up with her. Because if, if the guests are making the hosts look crazier, the Democrats have a problem. And they all know that. And they all want that contract. They get Most of them get that contract. And so that's what they do, is they try and out crazy the host. And then when it is the host and two guests, you notice there's never a debate at MSNBC. Just watch it. Trust me. And you'll see two people who agree with the person interviewing them, but both of them like the middle child trying to curry favor with that host to just get a little bit more of their love to fill the void in their hearts. It's disturbing. Well, what happens when you live your life that way? You lose the ability to make a case. You lose the ability to have a discussion with somebody who disagrees with you. Because either it atrophied to the point that you can't do it, or you're so terrified of losing the gig that you so desperately want, the high-paying, low-impact cable news gig, that you forget how to do it. You don't do it. You can't do it. And so all of these leftists watch occasionally when they discuss things. Well, it's not a debate because there's never a conservative there. But when they talk about conservatives, when the left is asked about conservative positions on something, really anything, 
What is their default position? It's some sort of istrophobe. It's sub- it's racist. It's transphobe. It's homophobe. It's uh, whatever it is. That just you're you're a bad person, and they make sweeping declarative statements like. Everybody knows that Donald Trump is the most corrupt president in all of history. Okay, uh, how? How do we know it? Well, look at what he did. I mean, come on. Everybody knows it. They can't define one thing that he, well, he violated the espionage. Well, is, do you not believe in innocent until proven guilty? Well, look, if, if you don't, uh, Jared and Ivanka got $2 billion from Saudi Arabia. Okay, yeah, no, look, looks sketchy as hell. Joe Biden got $10 million from Ukraine. Looks sketchy as hell, too, right? Oh, oh, if you, yeah, oh, you can't equate, you cannot equate the two. Why not? Well, oh, Jared and Ivanka are, okay, what? If you're saying that Jared and Ivanka took a $2 billion bribe from Saudi Arabia, you should be able to articulate and prove even for what in exchange for what i don't know where they got this money from i I don't know you want to show me that it was because of ill-gotten means or favors that they did then i'd have a huge problem with it if you just want to declare that to obviously be the case i have a problem with that say i i like proof with some stuff i like my cereal with milk and i like proof with my allegations but if you look at Joe Biden and you say, well, it's different somehow, or you're disinterested in the concept, then I'm going to say that you're a bit of a hack. Then I'm going to say that you're a bit of a fraud. Then I'm going to say that maybe you're not the honest broker that you think you are. But these people cannot have discussions. They cannot have debates. They, when you're going to Rachel Maddow and you're Eric Swalwell, do you think you're going to be grilled? No, the question is, uh, so uh, tell me about the corruption as you see it insofar as the Republicans go. Look, the Republicans are the most corrupt people in the world. Excuse don't mind this uh, blurred out area at the bottom. That's just fang fang. The Republicans are, blur, are uh, the most corrupt people in the world. Everybody knows this. There's not been an administration as damaging to this country as the Trump administration. Oh, Rachel Maddow agrees. Absolutely. And they just go from there. Never, ever presented. Never. Not even once. They don't even try. Is any semblance of proof. Nothing. They don't bring anything to the table because they can't. They don't. Donald Trump has been accused of everything you can possibly imagine, short of murder. I don't think, I don't think they've gotten around to accusing him of a murder yet. But give it time. Yet, what has been proven? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing criminal. They accused him of having sex with a porn star. Did he? I don't know. If I had to bet, I'd say probably. Do I care? No. He's not my dad. He's not my husband. I don't care what he does. I don't care that Eric Swalwell was screwing around with Fang Fang. It's nice to know that he actually kissed a girl once before. But the fact that Fang Fang was a spy for China, that's where I have the problem. There were probably other women that Eric Swalwell had sex with, poor dears, and I couldn't care less about it. He may, he probably isn't, but, you know, if he's having an affair, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Michael Stipe, the lead singer of R.E.M., had a great line once because he used to get asked before he finally came out as gay. He was always asked whether or not he was gay. 
And his line was, it's nobody's business what I do with my unless you're sitting in my lap. And that's absolutely true. And if uh, somebody wants to go around and screw around their spouse, I, I'm not a fan. I wouldn't introduce them to friends of mine trying to set them up or anything like that. But if you're talking about politics and political leaders, well, if one of them is more conservative than the other, then I'm going to vote for the more conservative one. I don't, I don't care. Like I said, I'm not voting. I don't have a vote for Pope. When that poof of white smoke and then eventually the black smoke comes out of the chimney at the Vatican, none of it, exactly, precisely, none of it is from anything I have scribbled my choices on. So spare me that. But it is worth noting, again, that the Democrats don't engage in debate and are no longer capable of it. They simply make declarative statements, all agree, engage in one-upsmanship, and move on. That's why Peter Hotez doesn't want to go on Joe Rogan to talk to Robert Kennedy Jr. I mean, for God's sakes, Robert Kennedy Jr. is not a medical doctor. Hotez is. If his resume or self-described resume is half as impressive as he makes it sound in his Twitter bio, he should be able to mop the floor with Robert Kennedy. This is a lot, this is a lot like when I talk about the press corps and Joe Biden. There's like fame and fortune just sitting out there waiting for anybody, anybody who goes and disproves this Joe Biden family corruption scandal. They disprove that and boom, they make Republicans look like fools and the Democrats win. They will be a hero. They will have book deals and movies will be made about them. I mean, look at what happened with Woodward and Bernstein. Bernstein looked like a damn bridge troll. Yet in the movies, he's played by Dustin Hoffman and presented as a hero. When in reality, it was Woodward who did the legwork. It was just, but, you know, they both got rich. And Bernstein cheated on all his wives and everything, cheated on Nora Ephron and just a garbage human being, but he had a ton of money because of that. So, you know, it, um, it's weird to watch. Anyway, enough about that, I say, don't you? On to monkeypox news. Oh, yeah, remember monkeypox? That was all the rage for a while, and the big debate was whether or not to point out the fact that uh, many... Well, it was basically amongst gay men, the outbreak, and it was because they'd attended unprotected sex parties, anonymous sex parties, which is why, and I never heard any follow-up on this, but I hope to God it happened, the very few cases where young children were exposed to monkeypox, I'd like to think that the authorities were really seriously investigating those right? Seriously investigating those for possible child molestation. Oh, not all gay people are perverts. That's not what I'm saying. But when there's a disease that is transmitted really through one type of contact and there are very young children who have come in contact with that disease, how is worth checking out? In any event, the uh, monkeypox is back. Remember, we just declared monkeypox was done. Monkeypox was over. Go back to your key parties. Go back to your orgies. It was just in time for Pride Month. Well, it turns out that uh, it wasn't really worth getting super proud over. 
So the White House still has a monkeypox advisor. They call it M-pox because monkeypox could be seen as racist to idiots. And the people who watch MSNBC are idiots. And on Jonathan, uh, it's not Chait, uh, I can't even remember, uh, the, uh, the gay black guy who has a show on uh, Saturdays and Sundays on MSNBC writes for the Washington Post, a regular on Morning Joe, not a particularly bright man, but he had on the Biden monkeypox advisor, his name is Dimitri Daskalaskis, something like that, who knows. And uh, they, they still refuse to admit that this is a gay disease. This is a virus spread primarily through unprotected homosexual sex between men, not between women, between men. Instead, you get this sort of gobbledygook of one person's idea of risk is another person's great idea of a festival over a Friday night. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, we live in different worlds if your idea of a great Friday night is attending an orgy where you're not allowed to ask anybody's name and you can just have sex with anybody you want and uh, you don't, you know, blood tests are an intrusion. You're also insane if you expect me to care that you come away with a communicable disease and feel pity for you if all you've got to do is not be a whore, right? Let's just be honest. All you have to do is not be disgusting. Maybe take a take a time. Uh, hey, I like you. Here's an idea. How about I get to know your last name before we have sex, or your first name before we have that. If that's a bridge too far for you, then don't expect me to have sympathy for you if things go sideways. Anyway, listen to the White House monkeypox advisor. I, I work in HIV normally, and I'll tell you that, you know, I, I always say that I've never made an HIV diagnosis in someone that hasn't somehow related to stigma. I think mpox is the same. So really, um, uh, stigma tends to be a barrier to testing, a barrier to vaccination. And so, you know, really addressing stigma in, intentionally and making sure that we get the word out in a way that supports people's joy as opposed to, you know, calling them risky. So I think, you know, one of the things to think about is that, you know, one person's idea of risk is another person's idea of a great festival or Friday night, for that matter. So we have to sort of embrace that with joy and make sure that folks know how to keep themselves safe. Jonathan Capehart is the guy's name. Yeah, no, there's one person, it's just joy. We want to maximize everybody's joy. No, this is a problem with the left. It's if it feels good, do it. It's been going on since the 60s, the rise of social diseases and the rise of progressivism. If it feels good, do it. It doesn't matter. And oh my God, you don't want to stigmatize people. You don't want to stigmatize, okay, you don't want to stigmatize people. Do you want to protect them? Because if you tell them, hey, don't have a whole bunch of anonymous sex with dudes and your chances of getting monkeypox pretty much crater out if you don't want to tell them that because oh my goodness then it might ruin their weekend i'm sorry i have difficulty caring about this this is what liberalism does ultimately they end up doing more damage than good more harm than good and they do it under the guise of tolerance 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 it's a damn fraud monkeypox is still out there Monkeypox is still transmitted the same way. It is not fatal, but it is apparently not very fun. 
If you want to go out and engage in the activity that transmits monkeypox, I couldn't care less. You expect me to give a damn if you get it? It ain't going to happen, okay? Because if you don't want to get hit by a train, don't play on the train tracks, right? That significantly lowers your chances of getting hit by a train, right? Completely. Almost zero. I would say on occasion, maybe a train goes flying off the track and hits somebody once every couple of years. But otherwise, if you're not on the tracks, the odds of you being hit by a train, almost zero. Same goes for monkeypox. You don't have unprotected sex with anonymous people that haven't been tested, that you didn't know for, because what is the gestate? What was the gestation period? I think it was like two weeks or something like that between uh, exposure and symptoms. If you can't wait two weeks, then I'm sorry. There's something fundamentally wrong with you. There's something fundamentally wrong with you. It is a self-inflicted wound. It is watching um, Edward Norton in Fight Club punch himself in the face, beat him, and going, what What are you doing? We must stop you from... No, no. He knows what he's doing. And these people know what they're doing. And they choose to go forward. That we have, as taxpayers, on the payroll of the federal government, this guy, Dimitri Daskalaskis, whatever, whose job it is, in theory, to stem the tide of monkeypox, knowing full well that there's one way monkeypox is transmitted, and the easiest way to curtail the spread of monkeypox is to tell people, hey, don't go to massive anonymous orgies just for a little while. Don't do it. No, they locked up the country for two years over COVID more than two years. They fired people. They drummed people out of the military over COVID, demanding action, demanding acquiescence, demanding obedience over COVID. They kept families separated. Over, it's funny, you know, the illegal alien family. Oh, no, how can you dare separate them? Okay, you're just taking the word. Can't do a DNA test anymore to find out if the, this person claiming to be the parent of this kid is actually the parent of the kid or they're just a human smuggler doing this for, for money. No, you can't do that. Well, we must reunite families everywhere. There's, the, there's a phone number pinned to the underwear of this five-year-old that just marched five, uh, 2,000 miles up Mexico. We're going to call that person and deliver this child to that person without even checking whether or not any of the story checks out because that would be wrong to separate this family. And then you have Americans married to foreign nationals who have not gotten the COVID vaccination. They're not allowed in the country. Not allowed in the country. Can't come in. Even before the vaccine was invented, you can't come into the country. Sorry, no one's coming in. Can't come in. I mean, you can march across the southern border and then we'll send you anywhere you want to go. But legally, no, no, thank you, sir. They wouldn't let people, they wouldn't let the number one tennis player, really of all time, come into the country to compete. And one of the healthiest people you'll ever see, Novak Djokovic, wildly, wildly healthy, did not want to get the shot was not allowed into Europe, was not allowed into 
the United States. Now he is, and he comes back and he kicks ass, but he wasn't allowed in. Illegal aliens, come on in. Over COVID. Monkeypox isn't fatal. I don't believe it's might have one or two It's very small. It's just wildly painful. It's like the singles of shingles of sex, but it's wildly unpleasant, expensive, costly, hurtful. It should be something that is discouraged. All you have to do is tell people that's the government's job. Hey, if you want to avoid monkeypox, this is how you do it. And if they go and do it, then it's on them. But you should give them the opportunity. What is happening with it is they're not even being allowed. The government is refusing to even say, this is how you get it. You can choose for yourself whether or not you want to engage in that activity. Nope. Not allowed because it's stigmatizing. It's Damn well should be stigmatizing. Okay? A little bit of stigma goes a long way. We need more judging in society. If you got a, a house on your block that is obnoxious, loud, they don't cut their lawn, they got a car up on blocks in the front yard, they are just jerks, they squeal their tires down the street every single time, they don't ever shovel their snow, whatever. Stigmatize those people. Have a neighborhood barbecue and don't invite them. Make it known, Make you and your neighbors need to make it known that you're not interested in them. You're not interested in them. Maybe they'll hate you. But then again, do you really want them to not hate you? Do you really want to be their friend? They sound like horrible people. Or maybe they go, all right, nobody talks to us. Nobody invites, everybody else is having, maybe we should, maybe it's the fact that we got the uh, the El Camino on the, on the cinder blocks out in the front yard. And maybe you influence behavior that way. It's a hell of a lot better than constantly calling the police and starting a one of you. Well, you violated, called cops because I violated code. All right, I'm going to find ways that you violate code. I'm going to call the cops and it's just going to escalate from there. Stigma. Judging. Used to take care of all that stuff. Now you got a whole left wing in this country going, you can't judge me. Who are you to judge me? Well, we used to judge. We used to judge. Was the world better off when we deemed out-of-wedlock births to be not a good thing? Or was the world, is the world better off now that the majority of black babies are born out of wedlock? Which, just looking economically at just the black community, which one was a better scenario. Then you can extrapolate it from there to every skin color because we're all human beings. Was it better off? Which was better off for society and for individuals? Because I can promise you, the fastest way to remain in poverty your whole life is to have a child out of wedlock. Not just for women, men too. Back to the train analogy, avoiding pregnancy is about as easy as avoiding getting hit by a train too. It was the stigma attached. There was no law against it. There was no law. You could have all your kids out of wedlock. It didn't matter. But there was a stigma attached to it, a societal cost. There was embarrassment. Well, well, they got rid of people. They shipped them off to somewhere in Canada, and then they came back and said, no, this is my uh, young sister, not my daughter. Whatever they did, I'm not justifying that. It's going to happen. But the full-throated cheering and celebrating 
of out of wedlock births. That been a net good or a net negative for society? We all know the answer. Only half of us will deny it because it's politically expedient. So yeah, isn't that nice? That's what your government is doing. That's what your government has done. That's what government does all the damn time. Uh, by the way, um, th- these forest fires and everything that are going around, and they're always blamed on what? They're always blamed on climate change. Always blamed on climate. We've had forest fires forever. They're not good. They're never good, but sometimes they're necessary. You get too much dead underbrush, and you got to. It has. You either go in and clean it out, or it burns up. And uh, you know the left won't let you go in and clean it out because nature. There might be some some weevil down there that's as their natural habitat. Okay, so you'd much rather them be cooked, be cooked, than sort of have their habitat upset and maybe I don't know move them towards another habitat somewhere, someplace else. Because you know if you live in a pile of dead trees, there's always a pile of dead trees. Well, this story is just kind of. Um, one of those things that it's news is ever changing. And when a leftist declares something to be, wait. Now, sometimes it'll wait a day or two and the narrative will completely fall off, like the Colorado shooting at the gay nightclub. Homophobia, homophobia. Wait, the guy who did it uses they, them pronouns, is non binary. Oh, moving on, never mind. Those sorts of things sometimes, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer. New York Post. A 71-year-old man has been arrested for allegedly starting a devastating massive forest fire in Yosemite National Park that was previously thought to have been caused by climate change. Well, it was climate change running around with a pack of Lucky Strike and willy-nilly flicking the butts into piles of underbrush? Edward Frederick Wackerman of Mariposa, Cal... That's his name. I think I pronounced it right, too. Edward Frederick Wackerman of Mariposa, California, was busted on Friday for on suspicion of arson for allegedly igniting the oak fire which destroyed 127 homes, caused thousands of people to evacuate, and ravaged nearly 20,000 acres of vegetation in July 2022. The suspect is facing... See, I told you it takes a while. The suspect is facing charges of suspicion of aggravated arson, arson that caused great bodily injury, and arson causing damage of destruction, damage or destruction of inhabited structures, the California Department of Forestry said. It isn't clear how Wackerman may have started the blaze or what finally led to his arrest. Mariposa County District Attorney Walter Wall said a Tuesday press conference is planned on the case. So I guess we'll find out. But, quote, this is the uh, statement from the prosecutor. Ed Wackerman. <laughs> May I, I, I might have a suspicion as to why he, he turned to a life of crime. Ed Wackerman is facing several felony charges, including aggravated arson. These charges carry seagull, serious legal consequences, and the district attorney is committing to, committed to ensuring a fair trial and upholding justice. Currently, the investigation is underway by our office due to the sensitive nature of the case, the rights of the defendant. We cannot disclose anything other than what has been released in the Cal Fire press release. So, there you go. Climate change turns out to not be all that climate changey 
in any event or whatever. You got to love this stuff. But of course, next fire, it'll be climate change. Climate change. It doesn't matter if climate change caused it. Climate change definitely made it worse. Again, you go back to what I said in the opening monologue about the left's inability to debate and their refusal to do so. They just simply declare things to be. They love things that they can't prove. But you can't disprove. So they can make outrageous statements like I wrote in my book about in 100 years, climate change will cause lightning strikes to become more frequent. What the hell do you mean by that? Go ahead, disprove it. I can't disprove It's 100 years from... Exactly. We have a science study. It's not a science study. It's a crystal ball. It's a magic eight ball. It's, It's guesswork, except it's guesswork with an agenda. It's guesswork that understands that the funding for future guesswork is predicated upon you couching everything in climate change. That's kind of the problem. Anyway, um, this one kind of cracks me up. Washington Post. Hundreds of years ago, two men named John boarded ships to America to seek opportunity. One worked on board as a barber. One was an indentured servant. When they landed... At the East Coast port cities, hundreds of miles apart, their lives abruptly diverged. When John Green, believed to be an ancestor of Supreme Court Justice Katanji Brown Jackson, everybody back with uh, name, colors in their names, got off a schooner from Trinidad in Charleston, South Carolina, he was immediately enslaved and dispatched to plantation, according to family lore. And family lore is enough if you're a leftist. When John Howland, the 10th great-grandfather of Jackson's husband, Patrick Jackson, disembarked the Mayflower at Plymouth, he was given housing and several acres. Don't you love that? Make it sound he's a socialist. He's a beneficiary of socialism. He was given housing. I'm pretty sure he probably had to chop down a couple trees, maybe. Uh, Thus were two newcomers to America cast into racially predetermined roles. Today, as new genealogical research illustrates, Katanji Brown Jackson and Peter Jackson are left with a historical subject in common, enslaved people. His ancestors owned them, while her ancestors were them. Ooh, man, you can make an analogy there about marriage, right? And that, no, that's not what they're doing. They're trying to, trying to soften the ground for reparations. Quote, as more and more families from different backgrounds marry into one another, the experience of their ancestors is going to have a lot more variety than it might have hundreds of years ago. This is not, uh, this is what's happening over time, said Christopher C. Child, senior genealogist at the New England Historical Genealogy Society in Boston. Ooh. Few know the ancestor, few know the Jackson's ancestry better than Child and his colleagues. Shortly after President Biden nominated Ketanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court in February of 2022, Sarah J. Deary, the organization's research and library service manager, began to dig into Jackson's roots. Child already had co-written a book on the line of Patrick Jackson's relatives, as well as an article about a man enslaved by Patrick Jackson's distant cousin. Wow, you're not only screwed by what your 10th great-grandfather did, but your 10th great-cousin or whatever, 15 times removed? 
Derry and other genealogists have since delved deeper into the subject, sharing their findings with the Washington Post. Dear Lord, this is insane. This is so stupid. I promise you, this this will change nothing about their relationship because it's stupid. It should change nothing about it. It should change nothing about anything. It has nothing to do with anything at all. I promise you that if you dig back further into Katanji Brown's Jackson Jackson's ancestry, the odds increase pretty significantly that you will find somebody in Africa who engaged in the slave trade. You will find somebody who actually owned slaves in Katanji Brown Jackson's family. If you go back far enough and you can trace things and know what people did back then, you probably won't be able to do that, but I promise you it happened. Why? Because slavery was not unique to the West. It was not unique to evil whitey. It was practiced everywhere on the face of the earth. And in fact, evil whitey was really the first group of people to outlaw it and then to force its outlaw in other places as well. It wasn't just that the British ended the importation of slaves into the United into the colonies over here then. It's that they tried and fought to prevent the exportation of slaves from Africa in general to anywhere. They saw it as Christians as morally repugnant eventually. Did it take them a long time to get there? Of course it did. It's called the Enlightenment. Before that was not called the Enlightenment for reasons. Look into it yourselves. But this is just asinine. This is incredibly stupid. This is how Democrats work. They want you to feel guilty about what your 10th great-grandfather may have done. I don't know who my 10th great-grandfather was. I know that they weren't here in this hemisphere at that point. They didn't come to this country until like the 1890s, somewhere in there. We aren't Mayflower people. We aren't moneyed. We don't come from a long list of erudite, pinky, out, tea-swilling, judging people who spoke the Queen's English properly. No, that ain't who we were on either side of my family. And most families in this country, such a tiny percentage of people own slaves, a tiny percentage, a fraction of the people in the South owned slaves. Well, then why did they go to war? Because people were ignorant, people were racist, yes, as we know it now, not as we thought of it then, and there was a sense that your state was your country. We can't fathom that now, but it really truly was. Your state was your country, and whether you thought your country was right or not, you probably never thought about it. Something that always was, just was. But somebody's going to come in and tell you, somebody not from your country is going to tell you what you can do in your country? No, absolutely not. Not a good thing, not a bad thing, not a justification, but a reason, whether you like it or not. So you watch all this stuff, and the left wants you to have generational guilt. They want you to make guilt inheritable. Well, guilt is not inheritable. Glory is not inheritable. Your life is what you make of it, not what somebody made of theirs 10 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago. If you won't accept that, if you can't accept that, then I can promise you that you're probably not going to make a whole lot out of your life to begin with. might even say you won't be historic, right? And I want to end on the historic 
Karen Jean-Pierre, good Lord. She refers to herself as historic. I joke about it all the time. Wildly historic. But she refers to it. She gave an interview to The Griot. The Griot is a race-based website. And, of course, the, you notice that uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre doesn't really give interviews to any conservative outlet. She didn't even call on conservative outlets. Peter Ducey's about as close as she comes, and then she regrets it, and she brushes him off and says, there's nothing in my binder about that I don't even know. Well, she was talking to The Griot, the racist website. She said this. A year in this role, there's been a couple of things that I that has made me incredibly proud. Many things, many things have made me incredibly proud to be at that podium uh, during this historic moment. Again, this is a historic administration. I'm a historic figure, and I certainly walk in history every day. But this is also a historic making administration because of this president. I'm a historic. He's a historic. She's a historic. We're a historic. Wouldn't you like to be historic, too? Be historic. Yeah, you're historically bad. When your greatest accomplishment is your skin color and who you sleep with, you are not historic. You're at least not something that should be celebrated. If you can't string together a coherent sentence without reading it, what reading what your bosses had written out for you to read in your three-ring binder, you should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. You should not be declaring yourself to be historic. What do I always say? If somebody declares themselves to be something, the odds of them actually being it are uh, about nothing. I'm super smart. I'm historic. No, no. You're embarrassing. That's what you are. Anyway, that's about enough for today, I must say. I hope you're having a great Tuesday. And Wednesday is tomorrow. We'll be back in the middle of the week to bring you back to all whatever the heck happens, because Lord knows the crazy never stops. I mean, if it did, it'd be pretty scary, right? We like that the earth stopped spinning. So we'll be here to capture it, hopefully contain it, and certainly tell you about it and laugh at it as we do every single day. Check out patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com. Appreciate the hell out of the support. My birthday is this week. I appreciate all the birthday wishes coming, flying to me. It's, uh, it's very cool. It's very, I appreciate it very much. So thank you for that. Thank you in advance for that. Still a couple days away from my birthday. So you can beat the Christmas rush. If you want. Um, all right. That's all. I have no way to wrap this up except to say goodbye and I'll see you tomorrow.